All right? Ah, Write that down. Funny. Yeah, I know. Okay. So uh, we are in this, this series. We're going to talk a little bit about um, um, sex, dating, purity, all that stuff. We're not going to really talk about actual sex. We're going to allude to it. Um, I know you're all sad. But sex culture, so what exactly is culture? I don't know if you guys know the, the definition of it. There are a few out there. I pulled one off the internet. Um, culture is defined as the attitudes and behavior, behaviors that are characteristic of a particular social group or organization. Certain attitudes and behaviors that are characteristic of a particular social group or organization. And so if you just look at that definition and then you just stop and look around our culture, our world today, you can't help but realize and come to the conclusion that we live in a sex culture. Sex on TV, sex in music, uh, sex everywhere you turn, you guys are face bombarded with sex just in general. And one of the most awkward places and moments uh, for a guy is is in the checkout stand of, of a grocery store. At least for me it is. They say guys think about sex every seven seconds. So the time that I've been talking today, I mean, you've probably thought about it maybe 20 times. I don't know. But one of the most awkward moments for guys is the checkout stand because you've got these magazines, right? Just kind of like you're sitting there going, okay, do I want Trident or Orbit? What kind of gum? Whoa. You know, you see this magazine, right? It's just like gum is no longer on your mind, it's Sarah Jessica Parker. Okay, that just came to my mind. I don't know what that's about. So uh, I decided to pick up, I don't know. I'm sorry if I just gave you some mental image. So I decided to pick up a couple of magazines from the store. I did. Uh, this is Cosmopolitan, right? This one, right? you read that? This one right here, just on the cover, says sex three times. The other one I was looking at said sex six times. This is three. Uh, be a sex genius. Mm-hmm. Yep, these are brilliant, naughty. Okay, I'm not going to go any further. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not going to read any of the other ones because there are too many uh, gross innuendos. Yeah, most of you saw these in my office and are going, dude, what is Professor Adam doing? But there's some, uh, there's some interesting stuff in here. I didn't read through it. I just thumbed. I just thumbed to the stuff. Uh, kissing that makes sex hotter. Okay, mm, that's good. Uh, this is just a gross, dirty magazine. Uh, I had it upside down in my office like that, so no one would see it. Then I bought a um, a, a men's magazine. Uh, anybody heard of GQ? Yeah. Gentlemen's Quarterly. Okay, I'm going to do something really quick. So take a look, and then I'm going to put it away. Okay. <laughs> there was nothing inappropriate except a girl with no clothes on. And guess what? GQ says our annual love, sex, and madness issue. So they don't care, I guess, yeah, exactly, the annual one, but whatever else is in it. Uh, so how to, how to seduce her, romance her, treat her, and occasionally understand her. That, yeah, I, I kid you not, I'd show you the front, but you'd see this naked chick. I can't, in parentheses, occasionally understand her. You can't get away from it. No matter where you go, you're at the grocery store, you're flipping through the channels, you're listening to music. Everywhere you go, you guys are bombarded uh, with sex. Even when you go to church and you see two, a couple on the couch. That's actually Melanie and I. We were um, um, just kidding. No, it's not. Some of you are, are, are a little bit offended by that. I apologize. I didn't think that would be, I didn't think that would be um, inappropriate at church. Do you, who thinks it's inappropriate? Anybody? All right. One person. No, Brooks didn't find it. I didn't want to subject him to anything inappropriate on the Internet, so I looked it up. It was easy on iStock. I put couples. 
kissing. I don't know. I don't remember. I found it like two months ago. So let me share some <laughs> Let me share some statistics. Statistics with you. A study done in 2005 revealed that sex content doubled on TV between 1998 and 2005. So by the time I was 18 years old, 18 to 25 for me, in seven years, sex content doubled. So that, it's been, what, three years since this study, uh, somewhat. So imagine in the next four years what that statistic will be. I don't know if they'll do it again, but sex content on TV in the matter of seven years doubled. Another one interesting here. In another study done in 2004, teens who watch a lot, now again, what's a lot? I don't know. They don't want to say. Uh, who watch a lot of television with sexual content are more likely to initiate intercourse in the following year. Tele Sorry, Tim, I didn't mean to. Television in which uh, characters talk about sex affects teens just as much as television that actually shows sexual activity. So just even talking about it, I hope none of you have ever come across that lady on TV. Uh, who talks about sex. Dude, okay. Yeah, she's gross, weird. Yeah, sex talk, yeah. I don't know. It's whatever it is, just keep on flipping. Or just like call your, your cable provider and say, hey, get that gross lady off my TV. But even, this, this study showed even just listening to a, a television where they just talk about it. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, man, well, I'm not watching shows that are actually like showing people have sex. Uh, the shows I watch just talk about it. It's saying you're just uh, as likely, just as susceptible to engage in that. And this is the interesting thing about this series that I want you guys to understand is you cannot get away from it. I cannot get away from it. If you look through culture, people have interpreted uh, the Bible. Uh, the Bible talks about, we're going to get to it in a, in a second. The Bible talks about being in the world but not of the world. And many people, many uh, groups, social groups across the, the board have interpreted that differently. Some become really isolated. Um, uh, I just lost the, uh, uh, exactly, the Amish. Completely just isolate themselves, no technology. They still, I think, driving horse and buggy, right? A lot of social groups, even religious groups, interpret that differently. And you and I, we cannot just shut ourselves down. We can't just walk around with a blindfold on, right? We can't just like buy those little things with the little black ones, right? Do any of you girls wear those? I think girls. Do you really? Does it help? Oh, you don't? You just raise your hand? Are you going to have seen those like little... Yeah, what is it called? Sleep mask? Sure, I don't know. You Okay, Evan, thank you for being honest. Right, you can't just put one of those on. You cannot put one of those on and walk through life, right? Because your friends will be tripping you, right? They'll be making fun of you, putting signs on your back. You can't do it. As awkward and funny as it may be, you cannot just zone yourself out. You can't block off the world, and you can't just live your life like this so nothing comes at you. You can't. It will be impossible. You will literally have to walk around with a blindfold on because every cute girl that walks by who's not wearing enough clothes... You're going to be like, uh, uh, right? I'm telling you, it's, it will be impossible for you. You cannot just shut it, everything out. So the question then becomes, how do we deal with it? John 17, 14, um, 17, 14 through 16 says, I think it's in your notes there. I have given them your word. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them, he's speaking to God, and my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. 
So Jesus here, in praying to God before he's taken into heaven, his prayer is not that God would take us out of the world. What is his prayer? That he would protect us from the evil one. So Jesus himself realizes that you and I have to live here on earth for this season, for this time, however long you decide to live, how many trans fats you intake in your life, right? For that period, that time frame of your life, you will be subjected and exposed to the things of this world. And when the Bible talks about the world, it's not literally meaning like third rock from the sun, dirt, trees, right? Not that kind of stuff. Uh, it's it's the, the sinfulness. Uh, it's the things opposite of God. Satan is described as the prince of this world. And so when we are to be in the world, but not of the world, when Jesus talks about that, our, we have to be here. We can't just like find some computer hack code that gets us like straight to heaven. If that existed, that'd be really sweet. And I'm sure you could like sell it for a lot on eBay. But you and I are here for however long God determines and decides. We are in the world, but we're not of it. We have to be here and exposed to this kind of stuff. The trick then for us is not being of it, is not indulging ourselves, is not partaking and exposing and, and mingling in that. Too many of us, though, what we do is we're not in the world. I'm sorry, we are in the world. We, we, we get stuff involved in our life. We do things, uh, and we're, we're totally missing the, the point of it, whether it's our, our own desires we can't control, uh, whether it's our lack of self-discipline, whatever it is. But our job is not to just kind of close it off uh, and try to, to, to um, protect ourselves. Our job here is we have to, we have to live in the world. Uh, we have to, when things come our way, Full to the mountain. We're going to talk about that in a couple minutes. And the biggest thing that I want you to walk away tonight with, the biggest thing for you, uh, is understanding where this stuff originates. And not the, not the stuff of the world, but when it comes into your life, uh, how can you stop it at the, at the source? And what that, where that is at is in your thoughts. And we're going to talk about that for a couple minutes. The battle is in the mind. There's this verse that I, I think is... We're going to get to it in a second. Sorry. Let me just read some of these quotes. I came across these the other day. I think they're really interesting. You probably don't know who the authors are. I'm not going to read them. Uh, life consists of what a person is thinking about all day. That's interesting. No, Ralph Waldo Emerson. Close. You are today where your thoughts have brought you. You will be tomorrow where your thoughts take you. So our thoughts are pretty interesting, right? There's not many of us who live life without thinking. Some of you probably think your brothers and sisters do, or sometimes even your parents, right? But we have thoughts. They control our life, whether or not we know it uh, or not. And uh, a verse here in Romans uh, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 said, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So when you think about this verse, typically when we think of change, what do we think of? The outer appearance, right? We think of, if we're going to change who we are, we think, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to change my clothing style. Uh, I'm going to change my haircut. I'm going to get a makeover. I'm going to nair my chest, right? Whatever, whatever, your, whatever your thing is. But when we think of change, uh, it's, on, it's usually outward. Man, I'm a Christian now. I've given my life to God, so I'm going to change the stuff on the outside. That's not necessarily what this verse is saying. Change is what? Change is when you renew your mind, when you change your thinking, as this verse says. So for you and I, when we live in the world but not of it, as we sit here in life and stuff comes our way, what happens? It goes into our thoughts. If you're watching TV and something comes up on, uh, on, the, on the screen, 
what happens? You start thinking thoughts. Uh, for guys, if there's a hot chick on TV, um, if it's like uh, if you're on the Spike Channel, Spike Network, right, and they got like boxing and you got these girls walking around with half naked, what happens? You start thinking thoughts, right? For girls, I'll try my best to illustrate something here. I'm not a girl. Uh, girls, when you read these magazines, right, you open this stuff up. You see these pretty girls. You see they're all dressed really nice. Uh, and one of these articles in here uh, said uh, uh, the right cleavage for every occasion. I kid you not. And it showed pictures of like at the gym, uh, at work, uh, at, the, at the, the neighborhood party. And I had all these pictures. I'm thinking, what is this? And Melanie's here with, next to me, so I felt okay looking at these things. Um, but uh, girls, you look at these magazines, and what happens? You start to compare yourself. You start thinking thoughts. Man, if I only look like that. Oh, if I, if I had that girl's personality. Uh, or if, man, if God had just given me that, whatever that would be for you. <laughs> You start, those thoughts begin to go in your mind, and you begin to think about that kind of stuff. And those thoughts begin to take over you. And as, as this, one of these quotes said, life consists of what a person is thinking about all day. If those thoughts begin to go on and on and on in your head, that's what your life will consist of, is comparing or, or lust for guys. So we've got to capture that thought. We have to stop it in, in the mind. The Bible says, take every thought captive. We know what that means, captive, right? Us guys, we're thinking like video games, like I'm going to take you captive, I'm going to smack you in the head. Taking every thought captive, every, th- every thought that comes into your mind. Sorry, I'm just, I got an Xbox 360 the other day, so I'm kind of in this gamer mode. I apologize if I don't make any sense. But taking, taking thoughts captive is, is these thoughts are in our head. They're coming at us every which way. Uh, the friends you guys have. Man, they're talking about stuff uh, in, in this article, one of them in there. Um, I didn't read the article. It was just a kind of a, a headline phrase. Uh, this girl made sure she told all of her girlfriends all of her, her detailed sex life with her boyfriend. Um, no, I'm so that's what she was saying in there. Uh, I'm, I was very fortunate that I didn't have friends like that. Um, I had one. I remember this. This uh, I was kind of sheltered, maybe a little bit. But um, majority of my friends were Christian friends. And I had this one who I think was a freshman in high school. He was a senior. He told me he slept with his prom date. And I was just like, are you serious? Like, you had sex with her? I was just like, you're kidding me. I, I didn't, I'm, I'm being honest with you. I was so like, dude, you're a rebel, right? I was this freshman, punk, 15-year-old kid. And you may hear me say that and go, dude, I know like 15 people that I've had sex. For me, that was like the first person I probably knew besides obviously my parents, you know, uh, that had had sex. And so you, you, have, you have friends, uh, you've got the TV, you've got magazines, I'm sure, that make your way to your house. Uh, the internet, obviously, is, is readily available with all sorts of information on it. But you guys, the, the thoughts are there. They are in your mind. Uh, and often, you guys, uh, you're thinking back to, man, I remember that when I didn't have those thoughts. I know in my life, in high school, I struggled with a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about. And uh, uh, once they're there, they don't necessarily go away. And so you may think even now, well, hey, it's not a big deal. I'm not addicted to porn. I'm not addicted to that kind of stuff. I can quit when I want. No, really, I can. And you try to convince yourself that you can quit whenever you want. You don't have to do it. You don't have to look at that kind of stuff. The problem is once that starts getting in you, it stays in there. And it's very difficult to get those thoughts out. It's very difficult to get that stuff out of your mind. Because the mind is a crazy, delicate, weird thing. Um, Philippians 4, 8 in your notes there says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. 
So as you find yourself in situations in life where you're thinking thoughts you know are not healthy, uh, maybe you know they're not healthy, but you're thinking about them anyways, when you've got those thoughts, you've got to take them captive. And this verse will be crucial for you. Highlight it, circle it, exclamation point, whatever you've got to do. Think about whatever is pure and noble, as this verse says. Think about those things. Fix your thoughts on those. I know in my life, when I have been uh, exposed to things I, I should never have seen, never have, have looked at, when those thoughts are in my mind, guess what? Unless I think about something else, those thoughts will keep going through my mind. And so you, in your life, when those thoughts come in, this is very applicable. This is like the one point I want you to walk away with tonight. I don't want to make it complicated or, or, or whatever. When, that, when those thoughts come in, you have the choice. You can entertain them. You can think about them. You can think about other things involving them. Or you can say, no, I need to take this, cap, this thought captive, and I'm going to think about something else. I find it very difficult in my life when thoughts come into my, my head, in my mind. I find it very difficult to keep thinking about those thoughts if I start singing worship songs. If I'm in my car, uh, I turn the music on. I start thinking about uh, Bible verses. Uh, the Bible says that God is, is light and in him there is no darkness. And if you fill your mind, if you fill your spirit, your heart with God, with worship, with God things, you focus on this kind of stuff, that stuff has got to go. There's a, um, I think it's one of Newton's laws. Sorry, I'm not like, whatever. Uh, uh, what does it say? There's no two things can occupy the same space. What's that one? Is that one of Newton's laws? Is, is it? Is it one of them? How does it go? You don't, you don't know? Yeah, it sounds like one of his Newton's laws. Maybe an Einstein thing? I don't know what it is. But I think the same applies in your mind. You can't have two things going on at the same time. In psychology in high school, we did this interesting experiment. We had somebody come up to the front of the class, and we had two people talk into each ear. And the person, sorry, so just write it down on a piece of paper and tell me later. But uh, this person was standing in front of the class, and their job was to stand here. And I had one person talking to this ear, and the other person over in this ear. Uh, and the person in the middle was supposed to try to remember everything both people said. <laughs> and I kid you not, to this day, I still like try it. If Melanie's talking to me and I'm watching TV, <laughs> I try to listen to both and it does not work. I know, I, I just, I'm trying an experiment, Kelsey. I only, say, I only say that because Melanie's in the room. Because I look at her, she's talking, but really I'm listening to the TV. <laughs> but I, no, try it sometime. Try it. Try listening to the two things at the same time. You'll get bits and pieces of one, but you'll never get the full meal deal of one. And so the same is true of God. And these thoughts are in your mind. Guess what? You can try to think about God, then you can go back and forth, but you cannot have both in your mind at the same time. One will dominate the other. And so think about those things. Think about whatever this verse, this verse says. Think about whatever is noble, honorable, pure, lovely. Think about those things. Because the truth is your thought life, and I shared this a couple weeks back, your thought life will eventually reap, uh, a thought turns into an action, an action to a habit, and your habit into destiny. Your thoughts, eventually trace them back, the actions you've had originated with a thought. I think I talked a couple weeks ago about sowing and reaping. What you sow is what you're going to get back. What you plant, uh, what you're going to get back. And uh, Pastor Charlie talked about it this morning. So crucial uh, in your life, in this point, the things that you're going through. And I've said this a, a, a hundred times. The place you were at in your life as a high schooler, you are, at this point, you have shaped and formed a lot of who you are. That may scare some of you because you're thinking, oh man. Uh, and I've talked with some of you about it in this room, about some of the, the habits and things that you have formed in your life. You trace that back a few years, back into middle school, elementary, 
you're being shaped and formed. The things you did back then, the, the, the home you grew up in, the things you watched, the things you saw, the friends you had have helped shape and become who you are right now and sitting where you're at. And as your life progresses, it'll be harder and harder for you to change. You guys have heard the old, uh, the old phrase, you can't uh, teach an old dog new tricks, right? It is wrong. But to some degree, it is true. It's very hard as you grow and become who this person, as you mature, it is harder and harder to go back and change who you are. The thoughts that you have, guys, if right now, if you're looking at porn on the internet, if you're addicted, if you can't stop, you need to ask for help. Because I guarantee you, you say, hey, I'll, I'll stop when I get to college. You won't. Well, when I get married and my needs are fulfilled, you won't. Um, I had a, uh, <laughs> had a friend of uh, mine. He said, if you masturbate before you get married, you'll masturbate after you get married. I'm sorry if that offends you that I used that word. But you may think, man, once this fulfills me here, I'm sorry, John. It won't. Trust me, it won't. The, the more you get in, the, the harder it is to get out. Somebody once said, sin will, uh, sin will keep you longer than you wanted to stay and take you further than you wanted to go. Sin is appealing. It looks fun. Uh, if it weren't, nobody would do it, right? If sin were not appealing, nobody would do it. We wouldn't want to. The problem is in our culture, when we see sex, when we see it on TV and magazines, uh, it's portrayed as just casual. Anybody can do it. It's not a big deal. There's no risk. There's no consequence. And we're going to get into that, some of that in the next couple of weeks. But you have to stop and realize the culture in which we live is totally, totally whacked. And it's hard for us to believe that and, and, and to think about that because it's all we've known, right? But you got to step back and go, okay, there's got to be something wrong with, with Cosmo and GQ um, telling me how, how to have a good sex life. Because the truth is none of these people invented sex or really know the purpose and intent behind it. God, who created you, who created me, designed sex for a specific reason, a specific purpose. And it's not a selfish, self-centered thing, which culture today now basically points that direction. Women are objects. Uh, guys, it's all about us getting what we want, what we desire, and then we're done. And you in your life, these thoughts, again, as they come into your body, you cannot necessarily just push them aside. You can't just walk around with a blindfold on. You have to learn as they come at you, as they come to you in life, what you're going to do with them. You can entertain that thought. You can let it keep going around in circles in your mind and let that form and become who you are. Or you can take that thought captive and you can focus on Christ and focus on what he has done uh, on the cross. You have forgiveness of sin. You have no reason to feel guilty, feel bad for stuff that you've done. You've got to focus on that, that God's, God loves you. He cares about you enough that he sent us in to die for you. That's the love of God. And it was, uh, um, I listened to the service tonight, uh, the five o'clock service as Pastor Charlie was talking and he said something that was right on that I want to stand up and back and go, amen. But it would have looked weird because everyone was like, what is that guy doing? He's smoking. He, uh, he talked about how people come up to him after the service and say, man, that was a great message. That was awesome. Awesome. Oh, you know. And then two months later, he sees them. They're the, uh, the same as they were two months previously. And as a pastor, I can relate with that. I can see uh, you guys come in here every week. I see you come. Uh, I see you outside of, school, uh, outside of church sometimes. And the, the, not the frustrating, but the reality of it is, uh, is that I cannot change you. I can get up here and try to be funny and goofy, talk about my chest hair stories, and that my nipples are hard. I can tell you those things. I can be goofy and crazy, but I cannot change you. And let me say this. God cannot necessarily change you. Some of you are like, what? Yeah, he can. 
Yeah, he can if you're willing. If you resist and you push back, God is a gentleman, he will step back and say, okay, when you're ready. You have to step up and make the effort. God says, seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you, God says. So you, as you come into church and we look at this stuff and I try to break it down and give you some application, if there's no conscious choice in your heart to, I'm going to make a change, I'm going to do something, then you've, you've come for no reason. There's been, there's been no point. You might as well have stayed home and watched dirty television. <laughs> I'm joking, but I'm being serious. <laughs> if you come in here and you walk out the same, it was a waste of your hour, hour and a half. There's got to be a decision that you make in your heart. God, I believe that you're speaking to me. I believe you want this in my life. I believe you want to change me. But you know what? You are not going to automatically do a little dust that Pastor talked about this morning, do a little dust that I all of a sudden become this different person. You and I have a choice. And the choice right now in your life is saying, okay, I have these thoughts. I've, I've thought them. I know my friends have thought them. What am I going to do about it? Am I going to change? Am I going to make the effort? Am I really going to try? Or am I going to go home tonight, turn on the TV, and really forget about what we talked about? I've been there. I've done that. I walked, I sat in church for years and years and years, just going in, coming out, doing my thing with no change in my life. Yeah, I grew a little bit, you know, my, I drew closer to God. It wasn't until I started going, you know what? I believe I didn't come to church on accident. I believe God had a specific plan and purpose for me being there. I believe what was, what was spoke was specifically for me. I tried to pull something out of it and apply it to my life. If you think that you can just go in and out of church and it's not a big deal, then you, you are mistaken. God knew you would be here tonight. God knew, uh, knows your background. He knows every situation, every thought you've ever been in, will be in. And he wants you to pull something from this message and apply it to your life. If I can't get any more clear than that, then I'll quit. Figure it out. Figure out what in this message. I'm just getting very practical right now. Figure out what God is trying to speak to you. Think about it. Write it down, whatever you got to do. But like I said before, if you came last week, I'm sorry, the week before, it was Easter last week. If you came last week, nothing changed in your life. You come tonight, nothing changed. That will be a habit in your life. You will come and you'll get conditioned to sit in church and just sit here. And God is trying to speak to you. He's trying to open up your heart. He's trying to talk to you. But you have to sit there and go, okay, God, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to open my heart. I'm going to be the, the, the fertile soil if you were here this morning, and let you speak to me, and I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to go home. I'm going to look at these verses. I'm going to pray about it and say, God, help me. I need someone in my life that, I can, that can challenge me, that can help me with these thoughts. Whatever it is, be creative. Figure out what it's going to be in your life. Have you, do, you have, do you guys feel like I've slapped you enough? Do you feel like a child being reprimanded? No? Yeah? Good? What? Okay. I love you guys. I really do, and I want you... I want you to let this stuff in your heart, mind, whatever you want to call it. Let it sink in because this, the culture in which we live, it is shoving stuff down your throat. Uh, It is doing everything it can. I should even say the devil, Satan, is doing everything he can to veer you off course. And I think um, the easiest way is sexually, is with temptation. Because we are sexual beings, right? God created sex. He wants us to enjoy it. The problem is we are way too premature. We're trying to have sex when we're 12 years old. 
and say, <laughs> well, hey, people are out there doing that. Um, and there, there is this, uh, I, think, I think that's what the devil tempts, especially young people. You look at, uh, look at advertising, it's geared towards you guys. I forget the statistics, I've heard them before. I don't know how, many, how much youth, how much money they spend, but the advertising is targeted at you guys, your age, the sex, the beer, the alcohol, the drugs, whatever it is. It's targeted at you guys, and you've got to step back and say, God, I believe this is not what you want for my life. I believe you want me to be successful, have abundant life, and you've got to block those thoughts. You've heard it. I'm just repeating myself. So I challenge you, take this back, pray, say, God, what are you trying to speak to me? All right, I've rambled enough. Let's, let's close in prayer. God, thank you for, God, uh, God, your word, the Bible that we can open up. And God, even those uh, written thousands of years ago, God, it still speaks to us. God, it's alive, it's active, it's not a, just a historical book. God, you're still speaking, God, today. And I pray that each student here, God, um, would experience your, your, your fullness, God, of, uh, of life, that they would not get sucked into uh, the trap, uh, God, that society just throws out there. Um, that sex is just a casual thing. They just indulge themselves, just go for it. God, I pray that they would see God, that there's something bigger. That there's, a, there's a bigger picture here that we're not seeing. God, and I pray that they would open up your word and God, and try to find it. Find what you're saying, what you're trying to speak to us, God. Uh, thanks for who you are, God, your love in our life. God, help us to um, uh, this series, God, accept and experience what it is you're trying to speak to us. Amen. All right. Awkward a little bit, yeah. Hey, we got a couple minutes and we're done. Uh, middle schoolers, I think you're hanging out upstairs. Um, if you guys want to talk about something, if, if something spoke to you in this message, you feel God's saying something to you, um, come talk to me. One of the leaders here, we're here for you. We want to talk with you. Um, all right. <laughs>